0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Capital Games podcast. You have your uh, co-host here, Sam Johnson, and your other co-host, Tyler Sells.
1: Hey, guys. Great to be back again. Looking forward to this episode. A lot to talk about.
0: Yes, there is a lot to talk about. Um, So first things first, uh, obviously, got to do our little disclaimer. This is not investment advice. Uh, Our opinions that we share on the show are not the opinions of the companies that me and Tyler work for. Um, and then finally, all information shared on here is uh, public information. It is not material or non-public. Um, so yeah, with that uh, being said, let's jump right in, Tyler.
1: Let's get into it. Why don't we start with probably the biggest news of the week? Um, our our good friend Jerome is back.
0: <laughs> yes, Jay Powell uh, raised the... Um, Fed funds rate to uh by seventy five basis points so um point seven five percent three quarters of a percent uh I believe the the range is now like two to two and a half percent right
1: yeah, I think they said the target range was two point two five to two point five
0: gotcha, yeah, so that's obviously big uh there was a lot of debate in the last few weeks whether or not they were going to raise it a hundred basis points, so a full percent. Or uh, just three quarters of a percent. And they went obviously with the lower number there. So, so why don't you walk us through kind of um, your thoughts on the matter and, uh, you, you know, just kind of the reaction to the number and, you know, your just your general thoughts on everything.
1: Yeah, maybe diving in a little bit deeper, um, than we were, than we touched on it last week. You know, at the end of the day, the Fed has has stated their objective as they want to get a hold of inflation, um, Mm and sort of bring it back down. And so they are going to continue this aggressive, uh, both quantitative tiding, tightening, and, um, the raising of the Fed funds rate until they see a meaningful change there. Um, so I think it's not surprising that they did another 75 basis point hike. Uh, but I would say, um, that it, it, I would actually, I would actually maybe classify it as, um, I think the market in general responded to it actually in a good way. Um, yeah. That the uh, that they're not going to go crazy like they're you know he's expecting another hike uh, and easily could be another seventy five basis point hike, but I think when uh when the Fed came out they said listen you know like we want to continue this tightening but we we believe there is a short term viewer nature to this like I don't think there is this I don't think the expectation is that this is going to be uh a long standing period of two to three years of very high interest rates. Um, so I think you saw the market respond positively to that um, on Wednesday, uh, even despite the, the the increase.
0: Yeah, I I think I have a little. I mean, obviously the market. I think the market had its best rally after a Fed meeting ever, um, and uh, obviously, like you know, my person. I'm sure your personal portfolio was doing quite well afterwards, and you know, the market in general was was up pretty big in the latter end of the week, but
1: good to see, right? I mean, shoot, yeah, it's just some green it's, on the screen. <laughs> it's just a good day when you see those numbers going up.
0: Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I, I do have to say from my personal opinion and what do I know as a 22 year old who is not an economist? Um, I, I don't know. I feel like that. I, I feel like they should have went with uh, a full, percentage point i know that they kind of guided at the beginning of the year that they were going to raise um to three percent by the end of the year so it's kind of like splitting hairs as to like okay do they raise by this much this this meeting and then by that much the end because like it's all going to end at three percent but i feel like that isn't enough because we printed so much money in such a short amount of time. And then you add on top of that, like over a decade's worth of quantitative easing coming out of the great recession. Um, and so what is quantitative easing? I guess we should probably define that. It's basically the government printing money, um, and putting it into circulation. And it's not as at quite a high of a pace as what happened after COVID with them printing trillions of dollars, but, um, it was still a lot, uh, So I think on the back of those two things, there's just so much money in circulation that I would have rather have seen the fed raise rates quickly, be really hard on the market and admittedly probably put us into a pretty severe recession, but then we just don't, we aren't like playing this cat and mouse game of, Oh, maybe we raise rates a little bit and see how it goes. And then it's like, Oh, we still have more inflation. Let's raise rates a little bit and see how it goes. Like, I just don't think that that it, it's. I don't know. I think a little bit blunter of a strategy would have been my inclination, but obviously, what do I know?
1: Well, I think, um, and and yeah, and just uh, for those of you who may not be familiar with with quantitative easing, and, and really, it's a it's a complicated thing. I was listening to a podcast. Um, with a, a it was a, a, Pimco, you know, former, um, like high level executive. And he spent an hour and a half explaining quantitative easing and quantitative tightening. And it was probably one of the most lost I've ever been. Um, <laughs> it is not, it is not simple in some ways how it works, but essentially, um, their government assets, asset swaps, like a central bank, um, is coming in and, and making large scale purchases of financial assets. Um, that's generally government debt, but it also can be corporate bonds and even stocks, which we saw happen. Um, I remember Sam, when we chatted about that back in 2020, when all of a sudden it was like, oh my God, the feds are going to buy, you know, we're going to start seeing stocks get purchased. Right. Um, but I think in regards to, you know, I think uh, this is seen as, I think, I think Jerome said that, um, you know, we're gonna make we're gonna make the decision next month on the data we receive between now and then. Um, and I think that was actually a good line in the sense that it's like we're not um, we're not gonna go ahead and price in a large hike, we're not gonna price in that we're not gonna do something. Um, we're just gonna wait and see how this next kind of print comes out. Um, if I had to take a guess, if I had to take it over under today, I think we're gonna get another increase in print. What would you say in, in inflation?
0: I think so. I think it'll be, I think we could be scratching at double digits. Um, it, it, it seems unlikely that it would be over 10%, but I definitely think it could be like 9.5 ish.
1: Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if we, I wouldn't be surprised if we get to 10. I mean, we've talked about this, but you know, the lagging indicator of the housing market um, and the inflation data that we're not going to see from that for a while. Um but I think you know, at a, at a high level, it seems that one inflation is here to stay, um, mm-hmm. but that the Fed is not does not have a high degree of concern around a recession at the moment. I mean, the reason why they felt comfortable printing seventy five an increase of seventy five basis points was because at, you know in June jobs increase, right? We're not seeing a massive hit in the labor market, which is making them want to start to back off this aggressive strategy.
0: Yeah, I, I, I mean, obviously, that makes a lot of sense, and like, I'm sure the Fed is is looking at like a bunch of different factors, but I'm just seeing like alarm bells ringing with like, okay, we printed more money than we ever have in history, um, in the space of like a year or so call it wasn't um, it,
1: it wasn't sam didn't we talk one time that it was like in 2020 you know the u.s printed more doll printed like 33 percent of like all dollars we've ever yeah made.
0: yeah no it, it's it's it was insane um and that kind of continued into 2021 as well um and so and they kept uh rates super low so like it's that to me is just too much of a storm to be like yeah you know inflation is printing nine percent. We're just going to raise the Fed funds rate to three. Um, I was listening to a podcast this morning, actually, where one of the hosts was talking about how, in no other inflationary time period have they gotten has the Fed gotten away with interest rates that were lower than the cPI numbers and so at every other point, they've had to raise interest rates higher than the CPI numbers to get rid of inflation. Obviously, the most recent and severe time was in the 1970s that we talked about in the last episode. Um, And Paul Volcker, the Fed chairman, um, so basically the 1970s version of Jerome Powell, had to raise the Fed funds rate to 20%, 20% um, to be able to kill inflation. And that put the economy into like a super severe recession um in the late 70s heading into the early 80s but then by 1983 call it the market was ripping and so it's i don't know like it i think this is going to be you know executives who are a lot smarter than me and see a lot more than me uh are saying this is like a mild recession and or this is like a mild, you know inflation's not here to stay kind of a thing and I don't know if I completely agree with that.
1: I I would agree with that. I mean, I, I feel uncovered. I mean, I think I feel I have a very low degree of confidence. One in the Fed, a very low degree of confidence. Two in most of our governing officials at the moment. Um, and then three, I also think that listen, we're 20 years old, um, give or take, but we're, we're going through this for the first time. Um, but then also, so are a lot of executives. So I think there's like, there's, there's just so much unknown. Um, and there are a lot smarter than us than some 20 somethings, but, um, you know, I think at the same time, it's very new. So I, I would agree with you that I think, um, we're going to, it's going to take, I I would not be surprised if we're a year in from where we are today. Uh, and we're still, uh, figuring out how to play through this and we're not off to the races yet.
0: Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And I think if you're in the audience and you're in a similar stage of life as me and Tyler, you know, like newly post-grad early twenties, mid twenties age. Um, and even if you're not like sit down and notice the things that are going on around you and take notes because like, this is not going to be the, the last downturn you see in your life. Sure. Then the other ones might be completely different, but I think it provides you a very interesting playbook to look back at when the next one comes around, because what I've been listening to and one of the things that I've been trying to pick up is the, the people that have lived through say the seventies, you know, that's obviously kind of a smaller amount of people that were in their career around then, just cause they'd be so old, but especially the people that lived through um, the late nineties, early two thousands um, recession and uh, like tech stock crash and all of that, because, those people are, were old enough to be running companies at that point, but still obviously young enough that they're not senile. And so they, like, I've listened to tons of podcasts with people that, that um, were kind of operating around that time period. And they have the experience and the foresight to, or the, the, the hindsight to be able to look at what was going on around them then and draw comparisons and parallels to what's happening now. And that obviously, with that wealth of knowledge, like they're able to make super educated decisions about where to invest their money, how to operate the companies that they that they lead, et cetera so yeah. that would be like one little piece of advice is like I'm taking notes, I'm looking at what's going on around what's going on around me, and paying it very close attention to a lot of different things because hopefully during the next downturn, you know we'll be in a position to take a little bit to to capitalize a little bit more than we are now, so that would well, be kind of one little piece of advice I would give.
1: Speaking of, speaking of the, we're seeing things that we haven't ever seen before. Um, how would you, until last week, would have defined a recession, Sam, from everything you've learned, read, or heard? How would you define the recession?
0: <laughs> I mean, the classic thing that you learn in economics classes, that's like the most, what I would say, clearly defined uh, definition of a recession would be, Um, two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth. Um, I know that there's other definitions out there, but I think that that's one of the more generally accepted ones. But obviously that's kind of come into question over the last week or so, whether or not that should be the actual definition of a recession. So um, that would be what, that's what, you know, I think most people would agree on, but I would like to hear what you have to say about that Tyler, because, maybe it's not what is the generally accepted definition
1: well i think i would agree with you i mean and everything i've been reading the past 3 months it's that's like hey if we get this two two quarters of negative gdp growth it's a recession
0: right. um
1: and I know there, there, you know, it's going to be easy for people to draw some conclusion to this around, um, you know, that everything's trends gets, gets politicized. Um, this is one of those cases where it's like, just like anything, whatever side the information favors, um, they're going to push on it. But, um, I just had done some digging out of interest and that's actually not the technical term. For recession. So um, it is the National Bureau, National Bureau of Economic Research. It is their job to label any period as a recession. Um, And they actually use a number of statistics to be able to gauge that. Um, And they have some broad language, uh, like there's kind of three criteria that they're reading from their site here. There's three criteria: um, the depth, diffusion, and duration. Um, And they say those are somewhat interchangeable. Uh, And so, like, you know, they consider, so it says, for example, in the case of February 2020, peak in economic activity, the committee concluded that the subsequent drop in activity have been so great and so widely diffused throughout the economy, even if provided be brief, the downturn should be classified as a recession. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, like, that wasn't two quarters of negative GDP growth to my knowledge, right? Right. Right. and so I think that that is that's an important factor to mention here is that like it's it's it actually can be more broad. And the reason why you people may not call this a recession is one part of the reason why we're seeing negative GDP growth is because it's inflation is just so high um, yep. inflation is crazy high. And that's taking I mean, that's that that's making that number um, that's hurting our GDP growth. Two, there are still good jobs reports coming out. I mean, I'm going to pull up the most recent one here. In June, payrolls increased 372000 Unemployment rate remained at 3.6%. Um, and then you also have a still really good consumer spending at the moment. Um, like you're not necessarily seeing a lot of families like pulling back the reins on their summer vacations. Uh, you know, a lot of people are traveling to Europe. So that's just a really anecdotal piece of evidence, but like at a broad level, like we're not, and I don't know to you, but like in, at least in like in it, it doesn't feel, if you take away market sentiment, I, it doesn't feel like, Oh my God, you know, we this big, terrible rece- Like if this is what a recession feels like, then, you know, I don't, I, it's not that bad.
0: Right. I, I mean, like I agree to that to some extent. So I think one thing to point out is that whatever bureau that you mentioned, I don't remember the full name, but that's like a lagging indicator. Like they have to like wait for information to come in and then they deem it a recession. Um, whereas I think like the definition of the two, negative and I like I don't necessarily agree with the, the classical definition of two negative quarters etc um because I think like there's certain statistic things that can get kind of messed around with that but um I think, I think that's, that that's a good
1: place to start right I mean it's yeah a good, yeah it's yeah.
0: not it's not a perfect definition but it's a little bit more real time um and uh yeah I I I think like one yeah it's not it's not perfect but I think there's a lot of evidence to show that um if you know whatever definition you want to choose if we're not currently in a recession we're we're like moving towards one for sure
1: i definitely i definitely think that by the time whatever is going on is done the national bureau of economic research is going to say this was a recession 100% right, right. um i definitely feel that way i think i mean i mean at the end of the day it's like the Fed did. I know we just talked about, hey, the market responded positively to this, but at the end of the day, the Fed did just do a pretty good hike, um, yeah. and there's more hikes to come. So, but anyways, you know, I just, we, that's been in the news a lot this week. Um, it's been politicized a little bit, but um, you know, as 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 it is, as it happens, in today's world.
0: Yeah. Did you? I one thing that I was that I uh, saw this week that was pretty interesting was that there's a lot of people in the market that are pricing in the fed cutting rates some as early as the spring yeah. of next year yeah yeah and i was like i saw that and i was just like i don't i don't understand in what world that that's going to happen and i mean maybe it does but and if it does i don't necessarily think that that's a good decision but it's just it, like it's wild to me that some people still think that that's a possibility because Again, like I've said, it doesn't. I don't know the exact math on how it all works out, but printing trillions of dollars in a super short amount of time, and then raising the Fed funds rate to like a fraction of what it has been in pa- in right. the past, doesn't seem to me like it's going to do enough. And then you're going to lower it again. So I think one interesting thing to note in conjunction to this is that J J Powell Jerome Powell, the Fed uh, chair. Is having to balance kind of his mandate as the Fed chair to to keep inflation um, at roughly two percent, and then also like the political side of it, where he is having to balance not putting us into a recession or a super deep one.
1: Well, and and, and, histor- and historically, it's been two percent and a strong employment market. Right? I mean, so. Right. So that, that's, you know, that doesn't necessarily directly correlate to like not being in a terrible recession, but it's pretty close.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, as much as people want to stay, like the Fed is an independent body, I think that's not necessarily the case. We saw President Trump, uh, influencing the Fed during his, his presidency. And I'm sure that there's meetings going on now where, uh, President Biden is doing the exact same thing. So because nobody well, nobody wants to go into an election with an economy that's gotten getting killed and the Fed obviously has a huge role to play in that.
1: And at the end of the day at this when there the the it's a Bloomberg podcast called Odd Lots that and that met with um kind of this uh the guy sat on the New York Stock Exchange desk in the um, kind of in the bond market, the, you know, the treasury bond market, um, you know, one of the things that he talked about was that there's also become a very close relationship <clears throat> between the treasury department and the fed, um, mm. especially since 2008. Um, and so, and obviously the treasury department is incentivized politically. I mean, those are appointed positions, right? Um but so I, I, you know, I, I definitely think there is some, and you know, at the same time, like you know, there has been some theories that hey, like you know, we Jerome Powell wanted to get you know, you know, reinstated or you know, continue his role, um, yeah. and that had to happen last year. And there may have been some political motivations behind keeping the economy roaring uh, you know, who knows? Um, So let's um, we've got, we've been talking a lot about the fed and interest rates, inflation recession. I mean, I think it's an important topic, but um, you know, stocks had a good week, Sam.
0: They sure did. They sure did. Um, There's quite a few pretty large earnings that came out this week. Um, One of them that I thought was pretty interesting was Amazon. So uh, everybody knows and loves Amazon, but they there are some pretty interesting uh data that they came out with. Um, they they outperformed their earnings, um, or at least the expectations. So, on a just to throw out some quick numbers here. On a earnings per share basis, they had a loss of twenty cents, which I think they had their first loss in seven years was the last quarter, yep. and the stock got hit pretty hard on that. Um, and then they had another loss, but they, you know, it wasn't as bad as people thought it was. Uh, So just
1: to be clear, they lost money this quarter.
0: Yes, they lost money, um, but it wasn't as bad as uh, a lot of people thought it was going to be. The shares climbed 13% after uh, they reported earnings. Um, Their revenue was up, which is one of the biggest, bigger reasons. Um, Amazon Web Services, which is their uh, essentially like, um
1: cloud-based computing
0: yes cloud-based computing uh division you could call it which is one of their higher growth divisions um revenue was better there uh um, yeah i
1: saw they they announced some some pretty good new contracts new commitments from the yeah. like commitments from delta jeffries
0: yeah exactly so um that's pretty interesting uh to look at i think one of the more interesting pieces um to note is that they obviously during COVID, they massively expanded their, uh, logistics footprint, um, like an insane amount. Uh, they were buying warehouses left and right all across the country. Yeah. Um, and they now are doing the exact opposite. So they're, they're looking, selling them. Yeah. yeah. They're looking at ways to, to kind of cut down on that because, um, You know, people can now go to the grocery store and pick up things they need. People can go to, you know, fill in the blank of whatever you need. Like you can go to a store now and grab it. Um, Whereas obviously during COVID, everything was done online. Um,
1: You know, I think it's one of those things where it's like, I felt like everyone at the time was talking about like, hey, this is the next wave, right? Of like, right. Like we're going, like COVID's accelerating our move to some of these things. Um, And I think you've just seen that to like not be true in some cases. Like we're not we're not like just only ordering food from delivery services mm-hmm. or groceries from Instacart. You know, like I think we've, we've found that like, yes, that adoption increased, but still people want to go to the store sometimes.
0: Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I mean, if you think about it, like buying stuff, like buying groceries, you know, maybe not so much, but like if you're buying like consumer goods, like clothes, I don't know about you, but I like to, you know, unless I know exactly what size from each company fits me, I feel like trying stuff on is, is a pretty, like people like doing that. Um, And so uh, I don't know, just across the board. I think that the, I I personally, I think Amazon is a super fascinating business just because they touch so many different areas, but um, you know, that it was a pretty, pretty solid earnings number that they put out, even though it was a loss and the loss was tied to their investment in uh, the electric Truck maker Rivian, saw so that. that's kind of yeah, they, that. So they kind of saw- put their the loss on, which is also an interesting piece. I think this week they rolled out their new EV delivery trucks um, that Rivian has designed for them. So at least in some areas, I don't think that that was like a uh, nationwide rollout. But I, um, um, just Anec-
1: anecdotally, I love the Rivian trucks.
0: I I like the Cybertruck personally. I think it looks pretty sick. I don't know. I haven't looked at the Rivians too in depth but um yeah it's it's pretty interesting uh all of these different like e v uh manufacturers and whatnot um we're getting there so yeah,
1: so okay, <clears throat> at the end of the day, Amazon was a surprise in some sense, we knew that they were going to take a hit because of their you know uh warehouse supply chain issues that they've been facing, hiring some hiring challenges um, mm-hmm. over expansion. We knew that they were going to take a hit there. Um, and is it is it fair to say that, that um, analysts, were you know predicting the same? that's going to be a hit, right? That was what that was the basis of coming into this it was going to be a hit, and they did. But the hit wasn't as bad. And if I remember, like I may be wrong here, but I I believe I've read um, that they're actually expect their outlook is that they um you know they think their you know net revenue is going to increase for Q three, right? I think I read that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I can't speak to that specifically, but it would make sense. I mean, they're making like some pretty significant cost cutting uh like strategy they're putting strategies in place for that um so it would seem like that could that could definitely happen um and you know a lot of what they well a lot of what amazon provides right is like you know it's not exactly recession proof but it definitely is um to some extent like a lot of people buy consumer goods on there and uh stuff like toilet paper and yeah, like it's, it's It's
1: not a it's not like a high end market service.
0: Right. And from the cloud computing side, which is a huge portion of their revenue there, like, you know, companies are not all of a sudden going to be like, yeah, we're not going to have a website or we're not going to use the cloud. So um, yeah, I think, I think that's, I think that's pretty solid and the stock's gotten beat up quite a bit since, um, you know, over the course of this year And, and rightfully so to some extent, like there were not, Exactly great, uh, financial decisions that were made. Um, so yeah, that's a little, a little highlight on uh, Amazon. I know Tyler, you wanted to talk about a couple stocks as well.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, there, let's just do like a little, let's just do a little like flash report here. Um, let me pull up my notes on it. Um, I think we ended up, so there are a couple of interesting moves that happened. Uh, I know people there. So if I got some text messages, I had some buddies that were pretty heavily invested into Roku. Um oh boy uh, yeah bad day, bad day for roku um pretty disappointing results coming out from them uh, I want to say that yesterday the company was down 24 percent yeah. something like that in the, you know in a day um you know, so I think that's a uh, you know and their business relies heavily on ad revenue um I mean I think and you know Facebook talked about you know its challenges with the new ad revenue right. space i don't know what's your just overall high level take on how you think companies are that are going to navigate some of these ad challenges, uh, that have been popping up.
0: I, I mean, so I was talking to another friend of mine, um, about like the influencer space and like these, you know, one-off influencers that basically make a living off of companies spending on them. Um, I think it's going to be tough. I mean, what's the easiest thing to cut in a recession? Like headcount is easy. Obviously like it's emotionally a little bit harder, but Headcount and um and stuff like ad spend like you can look at like look at okay, where are we getting the least return for the dollars spent on ads yeah. okay, let's cut that, and so I feel like these companies that rely so heavily on that is it's it's not gonna be super positive because yeah. the coca colas the um chevys of the world are all going to be like, all right, look. We can. We need to cut spending. It's really tough to shut down a manufacturing plant. It's really tough to fire two thousand people. Let's just cut our ad spend with Facebook to ten percent. Right. Um, right. So it, it just seems like that's the the easiest thing to get rid of. So I think it's they're gonna they're gonna struggle and it's gonna be a challenge.
1: Yeah yeah I think um you know I think Roku has an interesting business model. I think there's still some opportunity there, but I think that I think all these companies are just they're gonna have challenge navigating um the mm. you know the future of the ad spin world all right uh so we had apple uh their shares rose over time um we got uh you know i think after they reported there was a pretty good pretty good chunk 3%, of increase I believe yeah something like that, and um you know they uh, this is another example similar to Amazon where they kind of beat the revenue expectations that analysts were predicting. Um, I've got the report report earnings up here. Their earning per share was um, 1.20 versus 1.16, which was estimated. So we had an increase there. Unlike Amazon, that actually was an increase. Um, their revenue is 83 billion uh, versus 82 billion. Uh, well, it's 82.81, which is uh, 2% year over year actually. Uh, and the big winner for them, the one of the reasons why I think the market, uh, was, was still bullish on them was that iPhone revenue, uh, mm. was actually quite a bit higher, uh, than That's I think what analysts were expecting, which I thought though so too, cause it's not necessarily, I haven't re- released any new products. I think this is just, it just goes to show you that, um, you know, people are not afraid to go and buy a $1,000 phone.
0: Right. And, and like I, it's a super small anecdotal piece of evidence, but, Like you said, it's a $1,000 phone. I mean, that's not something that you would be spending money on unless you absolutely had to in a recession. And even then, you might be buying the cheaper version of whatever it is, right? You're
1: buying a a refurbished one, right? You're not going to go buy the new iPhone.
0: Right, right. So to your point about consumer spending still being strong, I don't necessarily – I am a little questionable about that. But anecdotal piece of evidence, iPhone sales grew. So yeah. Yeah. it's like, okay, interesting, like a consumer discretionary item that you are not going to be buying on a weekly basis, kind of a thing like toilet paper or groceries or whatever it might be. So, okay. You know that the sales grew, that's, that's a pretty interesting little piece of evidence. Yeah.
1: Um, so, you know, a, you know, Apple, I think, you know, they, um, they, you know, I think the, the language that they used was um, pockets of softness. Mm-hmm. Um meaning that there is some there, you know, it's not like this is uh incredible, you know, back in twenty twenty one, you know, Q two earnings report, but um right. you know things are doing things are doing well. So um that's Apple. Let's uh let's slam through a few more of these. Um, you know, it was a good good week for energy stocks. That's not surprising. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, I, I actually, I, I can imagine all these oil guys that have been, you know, just beaten up by the market right. government by just about everyone for the past 10 years. Uh, I'm sure they're having a good time thinking, you know what, you guys wouldn't let us drill more. You shut down our pipelines and now look, who's paying more for gas. They're making money. They're, um, they're yeah. going to keep
0: going. It was record. It was a uh, record profits for, yep. um, a couple of them, I think Chevron and maybe Exxon Mobil as well.
1: They both, I think, you know, Chevron jumped like 9% after, you know, after wow. the news, Exxon Mobil added 4%. Um, you know, I think it's, um, it's a good, good time for them. Bad time for my gas, my gas bill.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I mean, the, there I, I think would be, I, I'm don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure the energy sector has uh, is one of the like only sectors um in the s and p that's uh done well this year yeah. um and I think that they've like really outperformed uh so you well know. and
1: and i don't know if you so i know we talked about this briefly, but um you know russia i think announced this week that they were going to further cut. Um, they were going to further cut the, you know, pipeline, um, to Europe. I think it was something like an additional 20% decrease or something like that. Uh, just pulled up an article here. Um, yeah, it was, they had a nice, you know, I think now they're at like if 20% of capacity.
0: Mm, interesting. Yeah. Uh, the, the oil stocks were going to be ripping, um, I saw a couple of them that haven't reported earnings yet were up a few percent on the news of Chevron and Exxon beating expectations. So the ones that do perform or that ones that do report next week, it'll be interesting to see if they kind of follow that trend or for whatever reason they, they underperform.
1: We had uh, blooming brands, which is, you know, owns a lot of, you know, you know, large restaurant chains like Outback Steakhouse. Um, their shares jumped 3.1% after blooming brands reported second quarter earnings that, Beat analyst expectations. Um, so, one thing I thought about this as I looked at the market, and I keep reading beat analyst expectations, um, but they're still not saying we were like having record, you know, they're not like, oh, right. it's record profit. You know, could analysts have just thought that it was getting, it was going to be worse than what it was and work oh, out 100%. of we have a false narrative of hope here? I mean,
0: 100%. I mean, I think if you look at the, um, I would say a lot of, Big stocks, I remember at the end of Q1, big companies um, in their earnings reports, the CEOs or the executives who were doing the calls all guided lower for Q2 and the rest of the year. And so yeah. it's like, oh, okay, like we're beating expectations. That's great. And then it's like, no, let's dig a little bit deeper here. Okay, you beat the super low expectations that you set for yourself in the previous quarter because, and so. At the end of Q1, a lot of stocks might have done, you know, decent, or a lot of companies might have outperformed their earnings, but the stock was down because they all guided lower. And so, yeah,
1: well, kind of like the market had already priced, was pricing these, a lot of these companies lower. Maybe, you know, that's, that's part yeah, of the Exactly. Interest.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And so that's something important to note is just because, you know, certain stocks are up massively it's like oh there's hope no not necessarily like i mean amazon was up after they reported earnings and they still lost money on the quarter so it's it's important to note that because it can be kind of a, a it can paint a false picture if you don't look a little bit deeper under the hood
1: um the last one of the day uh Intel shares of the chip maker tumbled eight point six percent after a second quarter report that came in well short of expectations uh not necessarily surprised by this um yeah i think i think I think this was you know this is one that I you know would have been more expecting it's just been a challenging you know obviously a very challenging couple of years uh for the the chip makers so
0: well, especially for intel i mean they've they're kind of like, they've, they've lagged behind a, a lot of their competitors, like NVIDIA and AMD and whatnot. Um, uh, uh, and the CFO says, we're the, like he said during the earnings call, we're on the bottom um, after they, they missed their earnings. So, you know, there's a lot of work to be done. I know that they're building a huge plant here in the United States. Um, uh, and uh, it'll be interesting to see kind of how they're able uh, to navigate out of Um, this while a lot of their competitors are doing reasonably well.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, so at the end of the day, it was a fascinating week. Uh, Just to wrap things up here, we had the Fed that increased interest rates. We have recessions starting, not starting, terminology being changed, some greater confusion around that. Um, We've got inflation that is still roaring and expected to roar and Mm -hmm. likely another couple increases from the Fed and the Fed funds rate. Um, We also had earnings and, you know, it's not the end of the world. Um, We didn't see companies that just were drastically tanking and, and bad and a bad week in the markets, a good little break for us. Um, All that to be said though, there's still a lot of confusion out there. So we'll have to come back next week and see where some more of these things wrap up.
0: Yep. We sure will. All right.
1: Well, I think that's it for the capital games podcast this week. Thanks everyone for listening and tuning in We hope you're enjoying it. And please feel free to send us a text uh, or uh, message us. If you, um, if you have any things you want us to talk about or uh, you're interested in learning more about a certain segment or things we could do right or do
0: better. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you all next week.
1: All right.